0: to talk about our opponent. They're bigger, faster, stronger, more experienced, and on paper, they're just better, and they know it, too. I want to tell you something that they don't know. They don't know your heart. Patchwork Heart Ministry presents Young Catholics Respond, a challenge for young people to stand up
1: for the Catholic faith and confound the world with radical hope. Now,
0: here's your host, Bill Snyder. And hello, everybody, and welcome into Young Catholics Respond video version. Hello, and welcome uh, to the program. As Adam said, my name is Bill Snyder, and today, as you can see, I am joined by Tony Kolink. I want to just tell you a little bit about him before we begin our conversation about his latest book, The Merchant's Curse, which is part of the Harwood series. You see that on your screen, but let me just tell you a little bit about him. He writes. The historical teen fiction series, The Harwood Mysteries, which has done which has won more than 10 book awards. He is an author of fiction and nonfiction books and articles, a columnist for practical homeschooling magazine, and the host of the Shepherd's Pie radio show and podcast. He is a re, he has retired as a lieutenant colonel from the U.S. Air Force, Judge, Advocates, General Corps after 21 years of military service. He currently teaches at Ave Maria School of Law, and he speaks at writing, legal, and homeschool events. Tony and his family live in Florida. Welcome, Tony, to the program, and thank you so much for being here on Young Catholics Respond.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Bill. I'm thrilled to be back with you.
0: Absolutely. And so uh, tell me, Tony, about the latest book. And, you know, we've, we've, I know, talked about this series before, but give people a little flavor of the series and talk about the latest book.
1: Yes, so uh, The Heartwood Mysteries is an ongoing series from Loyola Press, takes place in 12th century England, and my main audience is, you know, uh, teenagers, uh, you know, middle school, high school, uh, some college even, Uh, but the story follows a a series of characters, but Zan is my uh, 12th century peasant who in the first book winds up getting orphaned at a Benedictine Abbey in yorkshire england and uh, like i said in the 12th century and so he's kind of being raised by the monks and that, that's where he meets lucy who is uh, one of the main female characters and they wind up solving these kind of spooky mysteries as they're going through uh they're they're growing up uh, the, the the series starts with zan and lucy when they're 11 um, and uh, and right now there's four books the fifth book's coming out this year uh, and they're going to be, uh, you know, 15, 16 here soon enough. Um, I'm, I'm writing book six over the summer. So it's an ongoing series. You know, each book sort of has a mystery that uh, the characters have to solve. There's, uh, you know, a, uh, some sort of a historical event going on in the background because it's an exciting time in history. And there's religious themes kind of throughout the series, the most uh, prevalent one being that the uh, theme of vocation and, you know, what does God want me to do with my life? So that's sort of the thumbnail um, idea of the series. And then we could talk about, you know, the different books and the latest release uh, if you want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do want to talk about that. You know, you mentioned some of the themes, you know, and it's certainly one that goes through the entire series of vocation, which I think is so important for young people to really begin to understand, especially as, you know, teens and preteens, uh, to delve into that, and so is there a development that you take people on through that uh, as they're searching and solving these mysteries?
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, each book kind of has its own theme, and so pro- probably the easiest way to do it is just to to show you real quick what I'm talking about. Shadow in the Dark, which is the first book, uh, you know, the theme there—you uh, can see this kind of grim reaper, spooky uh, character that roams around the abbey grounds. Um, that's kind of the the sort of spooky mystery that they have to solve. But really, book one is about um, suffering and kind of why do bad things happen to good people kind of a situation. Um, and so Zan and Lucy are in that. Book two is the Haunted Cathedral. Again, you kind of get the spooky vibe is, you know, they travel to Lincoln Cathedral. And uh, we learn about a lot about uh, Lincoln uh, and the, the amazing history of this real life cathedral. And Zan and Lucy, you know, we're trying to solve this mystery of is there you know a ghost in the cathedral? but book two is really about forgiveness and uh, and hate you know, holding on to your hatred versus forgiving because Zan actually encounters um, the bandit who was responsible for making him an orphan and, uh, and he has to deal with forgiveness and that kind of thing. Book three, the Fire of Eden. Uh, you could see this kind of spooky-looking, well, he's more like Gandalf-looking than spooky, but he's a magician who's a prime suspect and a jewel thief. So book three is a jewel thief, uh, kind of whodunit. Um, but again, the theme in book three is pride. Um, Zan and Lucy are trying to solve this mystery of the who stole this jewel, um, and Zan is sort of struggling with pride issues that he's going through. And then book four, The Merchant's Curse, It's the first one that doesn't have Lucy in it directly. Um, We met another character in book two named Christina. And so she's my main female character. Um, Book four takes place in Lincoln again, just like book two did. And uh, again, we learn about history and King Henry II and all that. But uh, there's this kind of spooky witchy woman who Um, seems to curse people, and Zan's trying to figure out with Christina, um, you know, uh, just what is going on with that. And and book four's theme is about vanity. I actually based Mm. book four's kind of whole vibe around the book of Ecclesiastes from the Old Testament, which is one of my favorite Old Testament books. And so book four is just permeated with Ecclesiastes, really.
0: You know that's beautiful and um you know a time for this and a time for that <laughs> that's the most uh, that's the most famous one we know from And from the and the vanity
1: of vanities everything uh-huh. is vanity says King Solomon at the beginning and <laughs> and really he goes on throughout the whole book of Ecclesiastes and shows us how all the things that people like to cling to in this life are ultimately vain and uh, and they don't really uh satisfy mm-hmm. whereas what what's going to satisfy is doing god's will and and the afterlife and so kind of book four kind of uses that as its theme all the characters Anne and and others are uh, pursuing different vanities of this life and mm-hmm. uh and they're kind of learning how those are are not going to come through uh, in the hard times when uh, when the witchy woman
0: comes to call, if you will. Mm, you know, that's a powerful lesson for teens to, you know, really uh, explore in their lives, right? And so I would love it, you know, may, maybe even just talking about the the necessity of writing really good, uh, you know, stuff with religious themes in it for teens. I mean, this is, this is a really important thing to be doing, and this series has won a lot of awards as well. We can talk a little bit about that. But t- tell me just about the... Uh, the importance of writing good, solid, and fictional uh, historical fiction books that teens can engage and learn virtue from.
1: Yeah, there is so much of a need for that today, and uh, I'm I'm so proud to be part of a, a group of Catholic authors uh, who all write in different, but different publishers and different genres, but they're all writing for teen audiences. Uh, you've probably talked to some of my colleagues at CatholicTeenBooks.com. Uh, which is a great place for families to go and look for books for their teens. And my books are on there, but uh, so are 15 other authors. Uh, But all of us know how important it is to write for teens these days. I mean, there's a lot of strong mainstream writers out there, obviously really great writers. But a lot of what they're serving up for our kids these days is more and more not the kind of things that really are going to benefit our kids in the long term in life. And so I really wanted to kind of reach uh you know our teens where they're at with kind of these spooky uh suspenseful mysteries that take place in historical settings um but are still quite engaging as you know just compelling suspenseful stories uh and then sort of organically as that's going on you know because of the setting you know being in the middle ages a lot of around a lot of uh, religious uh, individuals at a monastery and this type of thing um you can kind of bring in these other themes because back in the Middle ages, especially if you're hanging around a bunch of monks and nuns at an abbey, uh, you know that's they're they're living their whole lives around you know uh, living the gospel and you know encountering life through a faith view. So it doesn't take much effort to sort of find a religious theme uh, when that's sort of your environment uh, all around, and so I like to tackle different issues. Like they sound spooky and like occultish, but they're not. Um, but I'm tackling things like are there ghosts versus saints, and are there witches and curses, and um, and these types of things, wizardry and magic. Um, but I, I'm approaching it all from a, a kind of a Christian worldview, but in a way that I think a teenager would feel like, hey, I'm. It's like reading a Harry Potter book, kind of here is is what I was going for so that so that they would be engaged and want to read the books. Like if, if you give a teen a million books and they don't read any of them, it's not going to help them very much.
0: No, you know, that's a great point. And, you know, keeping them engaged and, you know, writing in the way that you do is so important, you know, to, to keep them engaged and to keep them on their toes, you know, to go through the book and learn more about their faith you know, incognito kind of way, right? And, you know, as you said, you're tackling these amazing topics. You're tackling these topics of, you know, like, is there, you know, is there sorcery? And, you know, what what's the deal with magic? And how do we approach it from a faithful perspective as a Catholic versus what the what is being fed out there? So, you know, that's that's awesome. And, and, and clearly it's done well because you've won some awards with the books. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that and some of the awards you've won. And, Uh, How, and you know how how that came to be for you and all of that.
1: Well, I mean, I feel so blessed. Uh, Loyola Press, who has just taken the series and run with it so well, you could see the artwork. I mean, the artwork alone. Book four's artwork actually won a uh, a medal at the Independent Press Awards for this book cover here. Um, It's just an indicator of how much Loyola Press has put into the series, Uh, the editing, the you know the maps. There's actually maps in the interiors of all the books where you know really feels like almost like a fantasy book but it's not as it's historical fiction but um but Loyola loyal press i really owe them so much credit for making a high quality product with me and the series has won like you said over 10 awards um book one really i think it took six awards um books two and three each took gold medals uh and book four at this point it's still in the cycle but it's already got four awards um, and so I'm really just, I am so thrilled. Like, I always used to, you know, when my first book, you know, as an author, you're your new author, and it's like, gosh, if I could only just win one award, so somebody will tell me that my writing's good, you know. And then I just got this shower of blessings that I was just like, okay, this is great. Um, but uh, all that really means to me is that, you know, the book, uh, you know, tried to focus on quality the quality of the writing, the quality of the art and the maps and the editing um and the quality of Loyola. So I think that's important though because if you're going to put a book in a kid's hand uh you want them you know for it to be a great story and uh and so we can talk more on that but uh, you know I really and you know, I wanted the stories to be good stories first and foremost before mm-hmm. any historical or religious or other you know considerations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know clearly I mean when, when you win awards like that it's clearly the case, right? I mean that's that's wonderful. I wonder you know, I mean, are, are what kind of feedback are you getting from, uh, you know, parents and teens? Have you received any feedback from parents and teens about this? And, you know, where would you encourage, the, you know, teens to obviously start with the first book if they haven't read any? But, um, you know, what what is the feedback and, and just from just from the parental perspective and also from the from the teen's perspective, if you have it?
1: Sure. Uh, absolutely. Well, parents wind up loving the books. You know, sometimes it's kind of funny if you're at like a... Uh, You're at like a book signing or at a conference or something. And then the parents, you know, see a cover like this and they're like, I don't know if that's a book I want to get for my kids or whatever. And the kids that are like, "Ah, what's this? You know, I want to see this book. Um, But then, you know, a lot of parents will read the books and um, and I do get feedback. And then the parents become like my biggest cheerleaders for the books because then they realize what's going on with the series um, and, and any potential suspicion from the cover gets sort of dispelled. Uh, but to me, the biggest compliment is when, uh, you know, I, I hear like, oh, you know, yeah, my teen, you know, uh, how how often have you read my book? I'll, if I'll, I'll run into some uh, people uh, coming back for another of the books. And they were like, I don't know, 12, 20 times, you know, like what? It's like, what? You're reading the book that many times? And, and that's when you realize that our kids, no matter what it is, whether it's my books or somebody else's or what, what they're watching on YouTube, they're repeating this like over and over again. So whatever messages we're giving them, they're feeding themselves it repeatedly. Um, and that when I heard that kind of feedback that, you know, the kids would read it multiple, multiple times is when I'm like, gosh, I'm I'm so glad that they're reading this um, and not something else. Uh, um, so, yeah, that that's definitely some of the feedback I've got on that.
0: Well, that's awesome. I mean, again, that's really good, and you know it's it, it's good that uh, kids are drawn in by the cover and parents are like, "Hey, wait a minute, you know, uh, what is this and tell me about this because I think you know you're you're exactly hitting the target you want, which is amazing uh, with the whole series and so you know. I I would love to know, too, a little bit about, because you have such a unique journey, you know, being a veteran and all of these different things. How how does that play into the overarching storyline as well? Like, you know, have you been weaving through some of your personal experiences into these books?
1: You know, I think it's inevitable. Every author, every character in their books is somehow a reflection of themselves and their experiences. And they talk about write what you know. For me, as I keep writing the books, I realize one thing is, is you know, I lost my father when I was 12 years old. Uh, he had a heart attack. He was only 57. So I was in seventh grade, you know, and then I was being raised by my mom with my siblings. And I think that loss really had an impact on me because I, I, I tend to deal with loss a lot in this series, and, and and I think that's also part of the focus of sort of like, hey, why, why do bad things happen in our lives, and what are we supposed to do when those happen, how can we keep faith when things are falling apart, or when our path in life seems, you know, Zan is constantly struggling, especially in book four, and, and we'll see it even more in book five, he's always struggling, because it always seems like he, his next step on his path is not clear to him. And he's not sure what to do and he has all these choices he has to make which is pretty much what happens to all of us in our lives and for me you know that's been my journey like you said i you know i started off um you know in the military for 21 years but that was a big journey i was enlisted then i you know was an intel officer then i went to law school and became a lawyer and then after I retired, I've been teaching now, and, you know plus we were homeschoolers and I write this homeschooling column. So I've, I've got a lot of that kind of in my background where I've gone from one thing to the next. And so I, I think that's been part of my journey too. It's like, gosh, well, what's next for me? and you know things that maybe I wanted to do that I wasn't able to do, or mm-hmm. failures that I had with previous books I tried to write that I could never you know finish or get to a publisher. Um, You know, so all those things, I think, inform just my human experience. And they kind of wind up, I think, in some of the, if not the exact plots, but at least sort of the, you know, the disappointments in life that we all are
0: confronted with. You know, and that's a great, uh, again, great lessons for for teens to learn. And, you know, I I really like you mentioned, you know, in this latest book that you really focused on Ecclesiastes. And that seems to fit in right with that right with that message message. Right. Uh, You know, here we are. And so so that's amazing. And, you know, this this series you mentioned is going to continue as well. And you've got it sounds like book five and book six already uh, in the works.
1: Yeah, book five should be coming out uh, hopefully in October of 2023 this year. Um, that one uh, I can I can tell you it's not well known at this point, but I'll tell you and your audience because um, you're because uh, you're my favorites, right? Um, it's it's going to be called Murder at Penwood Manor, and it's going to be a murder mystery who done it. Uh, and, uh, and that one is kind of fun uh, for, well, that doesn't, murder doesn't sound very fun, but I haven't really done a murder. Each book I'm trying to do something a little different. You know, it's a ghost story, it's a you know, jewel thief, it's a murder mystery now. And, um, and that one's kind of fun though, because I finally bring back um, Lucy and Christina, both who have sort of this sort of romance interest for Zan, my main character. And I, I'm able to bring them both into the story at the same time in this book. And so it's kind of fun because it's kind of like a little teenage, you know, flirty love triangle going on, which makes it kind of an interesting uh, dynamic. Um, once you get to know the characters and you realize Lucy is this very holy girl who's actually decides to go and become a nun. Christine is a much more worldly girl, but they're both really good people. But they both kind of approach the world very differently, and and so it's interesting to kind of see how they interact with with Zan. Um but, yeah, so the uh, book five comes out hopefully this year, and I still have to write Book six. Um, and and we could I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about the history, but yeah. I've been leading up to the Third Crusade, which ah. is about to take place. Um, and so all of my books, I've been planting seeds and bringing us closer as we go, you know, a year at a time, essentially, um, closer to what will become. Uh, one of the Crusades people have heard about because they, they hear about King Richard the Lionheart. Everybody seems mm-hmm. to know King Richard the Lionheart from yeah. like Robin Hood or something. Yeah. Um, and he's involved in the Third Crusade.
0: Very cool. You know, that's that's really cool. And, you know, talk a little about that historical. I mean, clear, clearly you have a, um, you know, passion for historical you know fiction and historical uh, writing in a, in this historical time period, and it's neat that you're leading towards something uh, like a crusade and all the things that come with that. I mean, you know, you, you, know, you use that buzzword, crusade, in our world as, as Catholics, and boy, people's minds go in 12 different places. So, I, you know, you can touch on many different themes uh, in that. But, but talk a little bit about just, you know, moving the series and even why you chose this time period for, for um, you know, this, this, this whole series.
1: Yeah, it's a great it's a great time in history. It's during the reign of King Henry II, uh, which was one of the great kings of England that started a whole dynasty of kings uh, in his family. It's after after the um, uh, martyrdom of Thomas Becket that we hear about. Uh, we have the Third Crusade that's getting ready to start with Saladin, the um, legendary uh, Muslim Sultan, uh, who's going to take Jerusalem back, uh, pretty much by the end of book. Uh, Actually, by the end of Book 5, Saladin has taken back Jerusalem. But, um, yeah, so the history in this time is really um, important uh, in in our knowledge of the Middle Ages, that, you know, um, feudalism, monasticism, those are themes that, you know, are all uh, in social studies classes. In fact, I'm I'm really excited. The books are being used in a lot of uh, schools um, to sort of supplement, um, you know, history or religion, curricula where students are actually reading the books and learning about things so like for instance in book one the main world building is about monastic life and feudalism in the middle ages and how the manor system is kind of working in the background and this kind of thing and it sort of sets the stage um, because although they're historical fiction they're heavy on the fiction and lighter on the history Um, but that's kind of what book one does historically Book two sort of introduces us to um, a major a city and and, and a cathedral, Lincoln Cathedral, which is a major um, cathedral in England. and had some really amazing history that kind of, again, illustrates sort of the, uh, the power of the church in the Middle Ages and this kind of thing. Book three uh, really highlights um, some of the dysfunction that's going on in the church at this time and some of the... Uh, church versus state issues between King Henry and the Pope, and appointing bishops, and and this kind of thing. That sort of shows us some of what was going on in history just between church and state. And then Book Four really, the history um, focuses on King Henry II's family and um, all the dysfunction in his family. How his kids were rebelling against him, and you know, trying to ally themselves with the French to you know. Become king themselves, and so there's a lot of that going on. And then, and and but each in each of the books, though, I sort of am planting little seeds leading up to the Crusades. I'm talking about some of what's going on in the Holy Land while these books are going on in the Holy Land. The Christians are bickering with each other. Saladin is getting all the Muslims organized. And then by the time we get to Book Five, we're going to see. Um, There's going to be a large kind of pre-Crusade theme in that Mm. because we're going to meet a Crusader um, as one of our main characters. And then, um, uh, you know, book six, and if it will go on, I'm hoping I'll be able to continue writing for a few more books. Um, We're going to get Zan and his friends actually out of England and into the Holy Land um, while the Third Crusade is going on. That's my Mm. goal, at
0: least. Wow, you know, that's that's so fascinating. And I, and I wonder, you know, obviously, you know, we're living in this time period, right? Like we're living here well past, you know, all of this middle age, middle, middle ages. And so obviously when you're writing in this theme with, you know, some, some fantasy themes, but in the historical fiction mode, how does, um, you know, one use the, you know, you know, the themes from that time period in our time period, are, are you able to, you know, see people pulling out the virtue and pulling out the, you know, all the vice and different things, and relating it into this time period and being able to live, you know, but also enjoy the books, but but also live the virtue that you're that you're putting in there.
1: Yeah, it's so it's so easy to do because, as you know, human nature hasn't changed. You know, you can go back and read the Book of Genesis. Cain and Abel, and you're like, yep, yeah, pretty much, we still got that going on here. Um, and so, because human nature hasn't really changed, um, even though these are medieval characters with sometimes, you know, significantly different, um, you know, world backgrounds than what we might have in America today, for sure. The reality is, they're still dealing with, you know, like, what am I going to do when I grow up? You know am i going to get married they, in fact they had much more limited choices am i going to get married i'm going to go to the, the church and become a nun or a, you know a monk or something am i going to go into business and become a merchant i mean honestly these are some of the same things that we're still our kids are, are, are always asking themselves um and then when you look at just some of the historical things going on like the power of church and state and that struggle it's going on all the time in the world and in america right now um, This idea of the occult and, you know, being afraid of, you know, kind of spooky, mystery things, witches and this type of thing, the occult and all that is permeating our culture at this point. Um, So there's uh, so many parallels. And then there's just basic things, thievery, murder. I mean, these are things that we see, unfortunately, um, quite up in front in our world. And then all of the uh, issues that go with that, forgiveness, hatred, humility, pride, We haven't changed as people. And so I think, uh, and and plus, although I write it to try to give us a glimpse into what it's like to live as a medieval person, I also am writing it knowing that my readers are teenagers today. And so in some ways, there probably is, um, you know, definitely some intentional modern vibes to uh, the characters also that um, I think our, our readers can identify with. Um, especially with the the, the female characters, uh, you know, Christina is much more, I, I don't want to call her a feminist, but she's much more of that ilk for that time than Lucy is. Mm-hmm. And and so I can sort of sneak in even some of that kind of modern idea of, of feminism and, and some fun things, you know, battle of the sexes kind of things. I mean, look, this stuff was going on throughout all of history. We just mm-hmm. called it different things at in, in different times.
0: Yeah and you know that's that's awesome that you uh, are able to do that and more importantly the reader is able to you know relate and 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 bring that but still have fun i think that's the biggest thing you know when you're writing fiction is to have fun reading it right uh, you know, even you mentioned that, you know, to have this before you get to all the other, you know, things that that do that. Because when you when you draw into the fun aspect of it and you drop in the virtue, you learn it, you learn it more. <laughs> so that's so cool. Um, as we're wrapping up, Tony, I want to make sure people understand where they can find these books and how they can, you know, get in touch with you. Um, and, you know, in in what ways I know you're also speaking and and doing other things so please tell people how they can you know bring you bring you out and and you know have them come to your to their parish sure. or school
1: I really appreciate that I've been doing a bunch of school visits um I live in Florida so I can get to so a lot of the schools in Florida but I'll do them on Zoom I did one uh in California over Zoom I'm doing one in uh Canada over Zoom next week actually um, and so it's really great to, to use these books with your middle schoolers, especially, I think. is probably, if you're in a school environment, probably uh, the best age group. Uh, they can go to my website, antonycolenc.com. That's A-N-T-O-N-Y-A-O-L-E-N-C.com. And you'll see on there, there's links to, of course, all my different writings, but um, also to um, scheduling me to come uh, speak at your school. Uh, the other uh, website I use, which is linked for mine, is thehardwoodmysteries.com. and from there there's links to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Loyola Press, you know, Christian Book. You can get you can get the book just about anywhere. I always encourage people go to your local Catholic bookstore and ask them to stock it and order it through them because I do kind of believe we need to have an obligation to support our, our local mom and pop Catholic bookstores or independent bookstores. Um so I would encourage that. But yeah, please, I would love to come speak at your schools and your classes. We have a lot of fun with the kids. I've gotten some great feedback um from teachers and kids on that. And uh yeah, so just remember my tricky thing about my name is my first name is Anthony. There's no H in that. So that's why I go by Tony. It makes it a lot
0: easier. <laughs> well no, you know and what we'll do is we'll put a link down below in the description so that all you have to do is click on that, folks, and it'll go right to his website. So that we do can I mention one other yeah, thing
1: I forgot absolutely. to say, which yeah. is, um, like you, I, I, I enjoy podcasting, and I've had you, you as a guest um, yeah. at least once before on my Shepherd's Pie podcast, and that is really, it's really geared for teachers or parents or youth leaders. Um, it's more of, a, uh, more of an adult audience, but our, our focus is always on issues that impact youth. And you can find links to the shepherd's pie um, to listen to that if you want on my website also.
0: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, definitely check out the podcast, folks. It's, it's really good, and there's always a nice educational focus with, it, with your podcast. I can attest to that, uh, you know, to really, you know, give people a flavor of, hey, this is, this is why it's so important to reach out to the youth and young adults uh, growing up. And, and, and you're doing a great job of it just with this series and everything else that you're doing, Tony. I really appreciate your time and you coming on the program today to be with us and share on Young Catholics Respond.
1: Thank you, Bill. It's been a pleasure uh, having you. I mean, being on your show. I want to have you back on my show. So I was just
0: thinking. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it for sure, for certain. Well, folks, um, I want to remind you before we wrap up that uh, you can go over to PatchworkHeart.org to find out more information about all that we do here at, um, at Patchwork Heart Ministry, including our documentary on the Shroud of Turin. Who Do You Say I Am? Until next time, folks, from all of us here at Patchwork Heart Ministry, may God bless you and your families. Keep beating to those Catholic hearts.
1: Young Catholics Respond is a production of Patchwork Heart Ministry. For more information about this and all our media programs, visit patchworkheartradio.org. To learn how you can support our ministry or become a sponsor, visit patchworkheart.org.